Paul. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host, as always. And today we are joined by Michael Delon, a num uh, number one Amazon bestselling author and the mastermind behind the innovative Speak to Write method. With a passion for helping experts and thought leaders share their knowledge, Michael believes in the power of a book to boost credibility and drive business growth. He's transformed the traditional book writing process, making it faster, easier, and more profitable. Having penned at least seven books himself, Michael's journey began with his own marketing challenges, leading him to discover the game-changing impact of being an author. Today, as the president of Paperback Expert, he empowers professionals across various sectors to become best-selling authors without typing a single word. I've asked him to join us here today, share his story, and help us understand how to use publishing, branding, and marketing better. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Daryl, thanks for having me, man. I'm doing great. It's going to be a fun, fun conversation around all things publishing and credibility. So, yeah. Well, thanks I, know, for I, love, I love your energy. You've got great energy. Now, thanks. before we hop into publishing and marketing and all that, how did you even get started in entrepreneurship? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Thanks. Yeah. No, I, my dad was a fireman and my, and my mom was a cashier at a grocery store. Okay. Golly, jeepers. Way back when I went to, to college for electrical engineering and flunked out. And then I was a mechanic, an auto mechanic for a few years. And that wasn't my thing. And I remember being in a bookstore, looking down at the bottom row of books. And there was this big red book there called How to Master the Art of Selling. Ooh. Tommy Hopkins. And so I bought that book and that got me into sales. So I became a realtor. And then that transformed me from there. I met my wife and then I got into Christian radio sales and marketing. Found out people didn't want to buy Christian radio. They wanted to sell their products and services. So that's when I started really learning about marketing for small business owners. Read the books, went to the conferences, followed the gurus. And I learned how to do marketing for small business owners because it's different than what Amazon does and, and all the big dogs because we don't have the money they have, right? Mm. And so I cut my teeth on marketing there. So that's really through that process of learning marketing, working with small business owners. That's where I think I got the bug for entrepreneurship. It just took me another couple of decades to get to the place where I started my own company. But I think that's where I got bit. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So what were some of your greatest challenges in your business career? You highlighted some, it sounded like, but what, what were the real, the real thumpers? The, the big ones for me is as, as a true entrepreneur. So I served in a family ministry for about a decade. Um, my wife and I, we've been married. We're followers of Christ. We've been married 33 years. And the first five years of our marriage were like this because we were at each other because nobody ever, nobody taught us how to be married. We grew up in church, but nobody taught us how to be married. And so we went to a marriage conference and God radically changed our marriage. And then that was when I was selling Christian radio. At the end of the 90s, God led me out of Christian radio to be with this um, ministry that helped marriages, right? And so I thought I was going to be there forever. I was an intrapreneur. So I worked within their corporate organization, hmm. climbed the corporate ladder. I was on leadership team. Then they started going through corporate reorganizations, right? And I was the third reorganizational chart got rolled out and my name was no longer on the leadership team. And so they started shuffling me around the ministry to do whatever needed to be done. And that was the beginning, Daryl, of a two-year, I call it a prison term, because I was in jobs that I hated at a ministry that I loved. 
Mm. And it was just sucking the energy out of me. And so after two years, I, I talked to my wife, I prayed to God and I said, how do I get out of this place? And God said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go help small business owners with marketing because they struggle with it and I love it. And he said, go. So on January 1st of 2013, I escaped from prison, right? I left the ministry, started a marketing consulting firm in my hometown. And I had one client, I helped him break through some barriers because of applying the principles and strategies I learned back in my Christian radio days, right? So he would refer me to you. And I'm getting to I'm getting to your question. And I come out, but Daryl and I talk with you about your business and I'd help you grow your business. And we'd have a great discussion. And somewhere in that talk, you'd say, Michael, this is great. Sounds awesome. Well, tell me, what else have you done in the last few years? Who else have you helped? And I'd say, I've helped build marriages and families at Family Life. And you say, Michael, that's honorable. Way to go. Oh, look at the time. I've got another meeting coming up, Michael. Let's reschedule and keep the conversation going. And you'd usher me out the door. Nobody would hire me, Daryl, because I, I had no credibility in your eyes. I was a ministry guy, not a marketing guy. Mm. And so I knew I had to fix that. And so I went to my church one day. I was, on the, I was in the second floor of the, my church. I was pacing the hallways. I was crying out to God saying, God, how do I help Daryl? Because I know I can. And he gave me this idea. He said, take all of your strategies and put them in a book. So I did. I wrote my first book. It's called On Marketing. And I published it myself. Took me months to do it. Nights, weekends, long hours, all the horror stories. But what happened, Daryl, is then I would call you, schedule an appointment with you. I'd mail a copy of my book to you. And then I'd walk in your office about a week later for our meeting. And there it was. My book was on your desk, dog-eared, highlighted, underlined. You'd read my book. And in that meeting, you'd say, now, Michael, in your book, you said, and you'd point to something, and you'd say, how do you help me do that? And what I discovered, Daryl, is you immediately saw me as an expert in marketing when you got a copy of my book. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything for me. And so I scratched my head. I said, wow, this works pretty good because I started gaining clients. I said, why don't business owners do this? And so that's how I got into helping with our speak to write process. But I struggled for the first few years or first few months of my business because my clients didn't see me as anything special. They saw me as everybody else, like all the media reps, all the people trying to sell their way. I was one of many. I was like what I call today a coffee bean. I looked like and I sounded like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But when I gave you a copy of my book, I became one of a thousand. I love that. I love yeah. that. I'm a self-published author as well. I had a book, I hit number one on Amazon for the top 100 in marketing and sales, number seven in the business category overall. I didn't go to university. And I remember when I went to go to the States to work, they were like, you need a four-year undergrad degree or equivalent experience. And I said, well, here's my book. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay. And it made me laugh because it just took, it didn't take me four years to write that book. We'll just say that. I did have to practice what I preaching. I had to get it to hit number one. I think that came sure. with, that was a boost of the credibility, but it same, makes a big difference. Four years in school. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It just carries so much credibility. And it's that, it's like when you go to Disneyland or Disney World, right? They have this thing called the Fast Pass, which mm -hmm. lets you bypass the line and get to the ride quickly. And right. that's exactly what a book does. When you put it in there in somebody's hand, it just puts you at the front of the line and they, in their mind, which is where marketing happens, is how people think about you. If you can change how they think about you, it opens the doors to anywhere you want to go. 
Mm. Now let's backtrack for a second. Cause you said you learned the principles and strategies of marketing at the radio station. What are the principles and strategies, the fundamentals? Oh yeah, there are, there are many, but one of the fundamentals I learned from a, a, a marketing guy, I still follow Roy Williams, is, is that it's better to be a big fish in a small pond than it is to be a small fish in a big pond. And how that translates into marketing is you don't have to reach everybody. Right. Okay. I talk with business owners all the time and they say, my list is only 400 people. I'm like, right. that's great. Are you nurturing those 400? Are you building relate? Are you a household name with them? Because you know what? Those 400 people know about 20 people each. But we, we run after the shiny objects in the next social media platform. So we're not taking time to build and bond relationships with our existing audience. We're always going after a new audience, and, and that's just killing us because you don't have the money to do that. You're not Apple. You're not Google. Start small and be a household name and build relationships. You were just telling me before we got on here, your daughter, your four-year-old daughter just sold some stuff, right? Made exactly. with Malaya. And and she has this little tiny network now of people who love her. What could she do with that? What can she be doing when she's eight with this little tiny audience? That's how we need to be thinking about marketing. The smaller is better. And then let your raving fans tell other people about you. So that's really principle number one. It's mm, a really good, that's a really good message. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. Cause if you give someone the book first, they know you're, they drank your Kool-Aid and they know how you think about problems. So it answers a yeah. lot of questions for people. And just the, like you said, when you, if you're going to get your hair done, your daughter wants to get her hair done. There's the normal hairdresser. And then there's the hairdresser that wrote the book on prom hairstyles. Absolutely. For Where are you going to go? So I, I think that makes a hundred percent sense. Now, a lot of people, they worry about well, if I get the book made now, I've got a book, but I, I don't want my book to be an unknown. I don't like, they don't want their book to be, everybody wants their books to make a big splash. So how do you speak to that? Someone that's interested in having a book. Okay. I need a book. Okay. Maybe I can get one written, but then what do I do with it? How do I make it yeah. a thing? Yeah, no. And that's a great, that's a great question because that's what everybody asked. And that's why we created some credibility systems to go with our books but you obviously want to put it on your website. You want it on your social media profiles, right? Daryl Orbanski, author of name of your book. Get a copy on Amazon or click here to get a free copy. And then that drives them to your website or landing page where you get them to opt in because I want them on your list. Because Daryl, you know as well as I do, your list, your database is your number one asset in business. You own that. And so you get them on your list, then you offer to mail a free copy to them, you do video marketing, you just start nurturing them, right? How about handing a signed copy out to networking events? If you go out to a BNI group or a Rotary or a wherever, do a signing at your local library, mail a copy to your best centers of influence. There are dozens and dozens of strategies we teach our clients of what to do with your book once you have it. It's not about selling it on Amazon, okay? You're not going to get rich selling your book on Amazon. Right, You're no, not, at all. not at all. At all. You're going to gain wealth by gaining new clients using your book in a variety of ways. 
I get a lot of people asking me, Big Splash, are you, did you like a big promotion to kick me off? I'm like, yeah, we do some. We get to do Amazon bestseller. But the money's made long term. I, there, I, I published my book in 2013. I still use it today mm-hmm. to gain clients, get referrals and growth. You have to have a long term perspective. Yeah, we'll have a blip at the beginning. It's not where your money's made. Right. Long term. Yeah, fair enough. Even my book now, it's my number one opt-in on my site is giving that book away. I wrote that 2012, 10 years ago, 100%. So let's talk about how do you use, all right, I got a book now, what? Long-term, okay, so what? I just give it away for free? Is that the big, is that the big? That That's one of the big things, but all right, so I don't know how big your book is. My, my book, because the way I wrote it has about 25 chapters, okay? They're, they're, they're short chapters. Yeah. Take those 25 chapters now. And I could do 25 short teaching, short webinars, right? Mm-hmm. Around each element of that. And then I can take that, put it on my YouTube channel, my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my TikTok, my whatevers. So I'm always propagating. There's 25 podcast episodes. So I'm repurposing the content mm-hmm. out of my own book. And every time I'm on a podcast, guess what? Hey, you know what? In chapter four of my book, Daryl, I talked about, because I'm always dropping the seed that I'm an author and I have a book. And if you just go to my website, you can get a free copy of my book. Same. So you're always positioning yourself because another marketing principle that I run by is people will buy you more than what you do. Hmm. Because there are dozens of people who do what you do but I want to work with you because you wrote the book and you're the guy who keeps educating me and you're the guy who gives me things and you're the guy I like. That's why I love podcasts because people get to know who I am through a podcast interview or, or my own podcast and they, they'll they listen to my podcast for months yeah. and then they'll move a step in my direction. And let, can I just say this? I'm on lots of websites, right? For business owners and things every week. And the number one call to action on websites right now from my everything, all the research I'm doing is schedule an appointment with me. <laughs> yeah. And I am here to tell you, I am not ready to do that. Yeah, I would much rather take a simpler step of downloading Daryl's book, yeah. maybe getting a, a video course. Let me, because I'm searching. And if that's the number one call to action, guess what? I'm going somewhere else. But Daryl's smart enough to give me a download of his book so that I'm opting in and getting some – I get to do more research on my time frame. That's another wonderful thing about putting your book on your website is it lets me take a simple next step because I'm just not ready yet to talk with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. I had someone join my list. They're on my list for eight years, never bought a thing, and then they gave me 20 grand. Yep. <laughs> After eight years. Which basically all the, the eight years of all that software that I paid to hold them on that list. So, yeah, I agree. But if you didn't, A, have them on your list, and B, be nurturing them in some form or fashion over eight years, you would have lost 20 grand. Right. Oh, 100%. 100%. Business owners think too short term. If they don't buy in the first week or two, I'm going to go, I need more leads. I, I need more leads, Daryl. No, you no, you really don't. You need to nurture and convert the leads you have. Even yeah, years 100%. later. Done. People buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. Now, you do need fresh blood. You do. That's a valid thing, but they leave so much potential. 
lost because it's like the average lead buys after seven to 12 touches or something like that. And most people, they're only doing two to three. And then absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's so simple, especially when you have a book, because I've got 22 touches right there in my email follow up. If I did nothing else. Right. And I do a lot more things than that. But it's just it's consistency over time is one of my marketing strategies. And that sounds like what you do as well. Consistent. (laughs) Just stay there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So again, how do you recommend people? Because I know there's some people that are like, I want to publish a book, but I don't want it to be a dud. So as everybody wants to be a best-selling author, can you speak to that? You already yeah. Touched on it, but- yeah, being a best-selling author is not too challenging. You did it. I've done it. But more importantly than that is you can be a best-selling author. And I've got a few of these in my house of books I've bought. They're best-selling authors. And I get the book and I look at it and I read it and I realize it's really not well done. It doesn't have a compelling story. It's more of a, dare I say, just a sales piece. And what it does is it kills your credibility. So Mm -hmm. the first thing I tell people before before you think about being an Amazon bestselling author, think about the story that you're going to bring to the table that's going to connect with your audience. What are they needing and, and how does your story connect and separate you from everybody else? Going back to they're going to buy you. You've got a story to tell. Everybody has a story to tell, but they're not telling it. Mm-hmm. Use your story to separate yourself and then talk about what your audience wants. Let's start there and create a good book with great chapters, whether it's eight chapters or 28 chapters. That's irrelevant. What's important is the message you're putting out. And is it something that resonates with your audience? That's more important than being a best-selling author, okay? I love being a best-selling author, but when I first started, I wasn't one. I still got a lot of business because my message resonated with my audience. That's number one. And, and it's a good indicator. I know I've in my early days, I was told a three-step process for marketing, which is one, find out, get people to raise their hand, two, qualify them, and, um, and then three, close. And so when you get someone, if you write a book on how to fix your defunct model for T-Bird, which is what I had as a kid, I bought this T-Bird and against my mechanic friend's advice and then deeply regretted it, how to fix your broken T-Bird. If somebody buys that book, they're probably not driving a Tesla. That's right. And if you specialize in Ford vehicles or Ford T-Birds, it's just, it's they're just self-identifying. Hey, I'm potentially a customer. And so that's partially where you go on, people go on these marketing campaigns, these book campaigns. It's not about selling the book to make enough money off that. The people that do that, and correct me if I'm wrong, the people that do that are the ones that have the following. I think this is something people need to understand. A lot of big publishers, they work like music labels where they don't go find, they don't discover someone. They don't go, wow, this person's amazing. Let me make them rich and famous. They go, look at this person. They're up and coming. They have a huge following and talent and I can bring their audience under my umbrella and I can also sell all my other authors and artists to their audience and we can cross sell. That's how a lot of this works. And that's in my personal opinion. So these people like the list, the 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 lineup of people that want someone else to make them rich and famous and discover them is so long. You will go from birth to death before you even move near the front of the line. But if you can just go out there and push your own book and have something really valuable, meaningful and helpful to people, 
You can also get rid of all the do-it-yourselfers because they read the book and they're like, I don't need you. I'll just do it myself. That's right. They read it and want help. They're going to go, hey, can you help me with this? Because they know the plan. Hey, this is your plan. Let I Can I? Can you help me with the plan? And so right. you put your book into a thousand people's hands that said they were interested. You're going to shake some business out of that. Yeah. It's funny. I've, I've got a client. He's a financial advisor and he's, he's really successful. The book's helped him. He's had his book since 2014. And he told me, and I've got it on video. He says, Michael, I've, I've given away about 1,100 books in the last few years. He said, I could have given away 1,100 business cards. Do you think that would have done me any good? He right. says, I bet out of those 1,100 books, I bet 300 of those people became clients. And the commissions on those 300 clients have created a 30 to 40 times return on investment on that book. He knows that just putting his book in the hands of prospects, centers of influence, clients, that's how he draws business back into him because he's educating people. And so he uses his book really as his business card. He gives it away to anybody, really any breathing person who's somewhat in his – now, he's a retirement financial planner, okay? So everybody says, who's your target audience? Most people say 50 to 75. He does radio too. And he said he had a 22-year-old kid call in on his radio program and say, hey, I listened to you. Can I get a copy of your book? And all of his peers said, no way. You're 22. Don't send that book. He sent him a book. The kid read it, gave it to his parents who read it, who became clients, who got extra copies to give it to their friends. He's made like seven different clients from that 22-year-old because he was smart enough to give the book away. Don't prejudge who you're giving your book to. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I think this is really powerful. So what are some of the biggest mistakes people making with their books? Oh, the biggest mistakes is really not having a compelling message and not telling your story. And I go back to that all the time because it's so important because most business owners, there are commodities. They're coffee beans, okay? We're all in very competitive environments. I don't care what you do. So I had, let me tell you a story. I had a home inspector come to me. Now, home inspectors, they inspect your house when you buy it to make sure nothing's broke or hidden or anything. Very competitive industry, but nobody knows who you are. Right. I can't remember the last, I don't know who inspected my house. This guy came to me and said, I want to be number one. And so I talked to him. I said, okay, his name's Chris. I said, Chris, what do you do on nights and weekends? What do you do for fun? Who are you? And he said, on nights and weekends, I'm a high school football referee. And I've got a team and we've been doing that for years and I love it. And there's a lot of similarities between refereeing football and, and inspecting homes. You got a rule book and you got fouls and you got flags. And I said, really? I said, have you ever told anybody that? No. We took that one idea and created his book. It's called The Official Guide to Home Inspections. And he wears his uh, uniform, his, his football referee uniform, when he goes out to realtor's offices. And to get business, he's in his uniform. He's handing out his book. When he inspects a house, he's in uniform and he finds something wrong with your house, air conditioner, whatever. He puts a yellow flag on it. I just took a story, something that was inside of him, and then we created his entire book around that theme. That's why I keep going back to what's your story that you're not telling? Everybody has one. It's that story that's unique and that your competitors can't fight against. There's not another guy on earth who can be America's home inspection referee.
because that's Chris Perry. Do you think it gives him price elasticity? Do you think it gives him something to talk about to anybody? Yes. That's why I keep going back to it's your message. Mm -hmm. It's your story. Who are you? Start there. And otherwise, your book's going to sound bland like everybody else. And, and right, right, right. I, I, start there. So message, story, what else? What are some yeah. of the other Really, honest, honestly, good writing. Most business owners are not good writers. Uh, we we get a lot of business owners saying, you know, I've written my, my manuscript and I want you to publish it. And we look at it and we go, yeah, it really needs a lot of help because you're not doing it right. You're getting too technical and you're not a good writer. You spend hours at nights and on weekend typing out your book. Don't do that. So we created a speak to write process. And whether you hire us or do it yourself, you can use this process. So with technology today, with Microsoft Word or, or Google Docs, it doesn't matter. Build an outline for your book. What are the chapters you're going to talk about? And you can talk about your business all day long. So create a, a, a title, some bullet points, and a story under each chapter. And then go to, let's say, Microsoft Word and hit the dictate function and start talking. Speak to write your book. Get your content out of your head and into print mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. And then my recommendation, hire an editor to take it from there and actually create your book because most business owners, and you may be an exception, aren't good writers. Right. And if, if somebody reads read your book- I was a English teacher at the time. I had her write. I did exactly that. And I had her write, edit it for me. So Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> no, that's 100% right. And then find a good graphic designer for your book cover. Don't go cheap. Don't go to Fiverr and get a $10 cover because it looks like a $10 cover. Pay somebody. I mean, this you are putting yourself out there. You want something you can be proud of. Put some money in this. Invest in this. It will pay back. Has your book paid for itself yet? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. One thing we haven't talked about is leverage. So you talked about loving podcast interviews. My my opinion is how the whole advertising industry was born was back before, back in the olden days, either you were like a, a state, a one in like a, a blacksmith where you had big equipment, you couldn't take it with you, or you were right. basically a traveling salesman, right? And so one day there's some ambitious salesman, he's got a baby on the way, the wife wants a bigger house, somebody, he's figuring out how do I knock on more doors? How do I knock on more doors? And he's traveling along. This is before the post office. I'm making this up. This is my fictional story of how it came to be. And he's trying to figure out how do I knock on more doors? And he realizes that every time I get to a town, every time I go to a door, I give the same spiel. Maybe if I wrote it down, I could give it to some boys. I could pay them to run ahead of me. And so when I get to the doors, people are already aware and I can get through the doors faster. And so he starts doing this. And as he's polishing it, all of a sudden now he's having the kids come back with orders and money. And he's, hey, and I can put an order form on there. And the whole concept is that you might not convert as well if it's not face-to-face, knee-cap-to-knee-cap, but you can deliver 100,000 letters. You can't talk to 100,000 people. And nice. so this is like the birth of advertising where you then take this whole pitch and instead, like Jeff Walker talks about this, put it on its side, the sideways sales letter, and you break it into pieces. Well, the book, it's the same sort of thing. This podcast, I love podcasts. I still get downloads today for podcast interviews I did in 2015. Yep. Leverage. Talk about leverage. That time that I invested, I like I said, my my ebook for the book that hidden up my ancient secrets of ancient secrets of lead generation. Your primitive business guide to better leads with less effort. You know, <laughs> that that's still my best opt-in on my site right now. And again, I wrote that. I think it was 2012. Yeah, is there? It's great. Is there a, a wrong or right way? I sometimes my I call my book business book for busy people because it's short. It's relatively short. 
but I got great reviews. And is there two, do you reckon, like you said that before, eight chapters versus 28, at what point do you need to break it into more than one book? Yeah. Our, our, our personal, for our company, we go up to about 150 pages in a book. Okay. That's ballpark is because here's my philosophy. I, I don't want to publish a brochure and I don't want to publish war and peace. I want a book that when I give it to you, a, it feels and looks like a book yeah. and two, you can go, Read it. I, I could read that in a couple. Of, I could read that on airplane flight. I could yeah. read it over the weekend. That's yeah. what we are looking for. Okay. I'm also one of the other things that what challenges that business owners have is they're like, oh, you know, what? I'm just going to write an ebook. Do you know how many ebooks I have on my computer somewhere? Yeah. And and I'm not opposed to ebooks because we we do ebooks and in, in all kinds of things. The power of a physical book when you mail it to somebody when you hand when you sign it and give it to them, it's sacrilegious to throw it away. They will keep it for life. They'll move it from house to house. So always do a physical version of your book too. And it's just so powerful. Always have electronic versions for downloads and all, but always you want a physical version to put in somebody's hand. And it doesn't have to be 150 pages. You can create a 50 page book that looks really good and is stunning and tells your story. Great. Make sure it's physical too, so you can hand it to somebody, yeah, yeah. sign and it to them. power. They put it on their shelf in their room. And how many people are doing Zoom meetings trying to show off how big their bookcases are? Your book would be on there, the exposure. And even just for them, they walk by, they see it all the time. So that's right. It calls out to them, it beckons them from the bookshelf. So, what are some of the habits that you feel have helped you continue to be successful? Because obviously, we talked about using a book to get first to really get clear on your message, on your knowledge, on what you're trying to achieve for people, because your book has to have some sort of focus. This, I think, helps business owners crystallize for themselves. But obviously, you have to have staying power. You got to be in the game for a while. You've been in this game for, all, I think, 10 years, more than yeah, 10 Yeah, I'm in, my, I'm in my 11th year. Yeah. yeah. So what do you feel have been some of the habits that have really helped you survive? Because even though you have your own book, obviously, that you've been through different economies. There's been good days what, what I've been through the, I used to tell people, I feel like a pinball, the pinball machine, the pinball, just bing, bing, bing. I've reinvented my company, not less than a dozen times in those 10 years, right? Because it, but it is the resiliency. It's, oh, I'm trying this. That didn't work. Oh, I got to go over here. It's the stick to but it's also the ability. I've always been in masterminding groups and coaching programs to put myself around smarter people. And to get input from people because I'm not the smartest guy in the world, dude. Okay. I need people like you in my life to go, okay, here's what I'm trying to make happen. Here's what we're doing. Can you look at my offer? And you look at my offer from an outside perspective and you might say, that doesn't do anything for me. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for this. Mm -hmm. It took me four years to come up with our, our core tagline that we have now that defines who we do, who we are and what we do, which is create your book without writing a word. Right. That captures my audience and stops them in their tracks. It turns their head and they go, tell me more. Right. It right. took me about five years to get to that because I, I'm inside my business trying to figure out what you want. And so it's it really is persistence. It's, it's like I'm not giving up. That didn't work. Something else will. Going to conferences, being in mastermind groups, learning from others buying books. I've read probably every Dan Kennedy book on the planet, all kinds of gurus going to webinars. You mentioned, oh, what's his name? You just mentioned him a minute ago. It doesn't matter. One of the big dogs, right? Jeff Walker. 
going to his webinar and listening, learning, saying what's what and real. And you said something else earlier that I think is really good. Watching them and learning from them, but I can't always emulate them because they're at a different level. They've got a back end sales machine that I don't have. Mm. Right. Russell Brunson's great. I love what he does. He's always doing free plus shipping on his books. And he does that because he's got the back end system to monetize being able to send that out. Right. Most small business owners don't have that. And they're trying to model what he's doing, but they don't have his whole system. Learn from other people. Try it. It might work. But if it doesn't, they'll go, that didn't work. Figure it out. You're entrepreneurs. But it is that stitutiveness, the ability just to go, oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's try this. Let's And, and be that pinball until you just see that pinball go between those two things. Right? So yeah, I, yeah, no, fair enough. My next book is going to be on my eight critical success factors because I spent 50 grand to go through all the academic literature to figure out what really moves the needle for small and medium-sized businesses. And we uncovered eight critical success factors. They were self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning, uh, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management, business operations, and business intelligence. Everything fits into those from cybersecurity, your hiring process, all this stuff. And when it comes to at least marketing and sales, one of the most important things is tense, intense networking and advertising. And it's not, you have to be careful because especially with software, you can automate a lot of things. Like you can automate outreach on LinkedIn, but if you're just, and you, so there's really is like a crawl, walk, run process to it where you really have to just be like face-to-face, kneecap to kneecap, belly to with people to get that immediate feedback before you turn on some sort of machine that's just going to harass and annoy 10,000 people. So there's something uh-huh. called the Oprah effect. And this was Oprah when in her heyday, maybe even today, I don't know, but in her prime, they would have to have a team come and audit your business before she could mention or feature her on her show because businesses will get destroyed by being, yeah. she just came and she's, oh, I was stopped at my favorite bakery today on my way to the like show. And just like a casual mention would just send a barrage of people and nobody gives, nobody cares. Nobody cares that you have a small bakery and you have three staff. They don't care. They're like, hey, I ordered a dozen and it took him five days to get back to my order. And you're thinking, Listen, be listen, person. I had 500 orders for day alone. Like they, they don't care about that. So the negative reviews would pile up essentially if they couldn't take people in and handle them. And so it's the same sort of thing. You really have to like kid gloves, handhold every lead, every client, get your first 20 sales, so to speak, really figure that out. And now you can automate and market and sell, but you still, whether it's knocking on doors, whether it's trade shows, whether you're running ads of any sort, it has to be at an intense level. And whatever people think is intense, you need to 10X or 100X that. Like a perfect example is I'm helping with a phone team right now and they've got four agents talking, dialing 300 people per night. Like most people can't even get on the phone as a business owner and talk to 10, make 10 phone calls. Like you've intense, it has to be intense. And again, this comes back to scale. How do you do this at scale? How do you do this at scale? Software, code, media, right? You can have yeah. a webinar. You could have your book. 100,000 people can read your book. So right. that's really the power of these things. But they all don't work if you don't have the message to market match. And even if you have the message to market match, if you don't have the product market founder fit, yep, you don't fit in that. Like you mentioned before, you were at a company you loved doing things you hated. If you love what you do, but you hate what you do, who you do it for? Or right. people you help, but you hate what you do. 
you have to figure those three things out first. And I think they're really good because we talk about it's those, we don't, it's not 10,000 hours, it's 10,000 iterations. Yes. hundred percent. And figuring out what you do best right. and hiring people as you grow. Cause in my first three or four books, I did everything start to finish. Then I found out, okay, I need a writer to come in and do that. Then I grew as I need a graphic. Okay. I need a systems person. My son now is my chief operating officer. He's 28. He, he runs the whole back end of our company. And we've grown to that point because I'm the CEO. And I didn't tell you this before you invited me because you probably wouldn't have had me on Daryl. I only do four things well in life, Daryl. That's it. <laughs> and I, now I do them wicked good. Outside of those four, though, I'm mediocre. So I've learned just to hire people to do everything else. Right. That's how you have to think as a business owner. I didn't start there right. because at the beginning I was starting, I did everything. Then I hired the people. I built the systems. We've grown the business. So now we can help even more people. Oh, yeah. If you think about a surgeon, they just show up. The nurses prep, prep the patient. Yep. The nurses get everything ready, the tools there, the surgeon shows up, takes the tools, do, does just what the special his specialty is, what only he can do. And then he's done and he goes and the nurses sew him up. The nurses do all the prep work, right? Yep. Or the closing work. And that's yep. that's if you want to make a hundred dollars an hour, if you want to make a thousand dollars an hour, stop doing ten dollars an hour work. hundred percent. Figure out that what that is. You also have to be able to coach people and maintain quality and accountability. And that's absolutely all we haven't talked about that at all. That's like dealing and managing with other people, emotional intelligence, uh, communication, yeah. cooperation skills, having a certain uh, level of discipline and urgency yourself. They say when you start working for yourself, you typically get the worst boss. They let you take as many breaks as you want. They let you cut corners. They accept shitty work. But so you've got to really learn all those skills together. You, you do. And, and not many people. And so that's why mastermind groups, coaches, other business owners, podcasts like this, learn it. Take one idea a week and just start implementing it. Learn mm -hmm. from podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time, business podcasts, and I take an idea. I'm like, okay, pause. How do, How can I, one of my favorite phrases, how can I implement this into my business without blowing it up? Talking to my team saying, here's the idea. How do we make this? And most of the time, my, my team takes my idea and they go, okay, we're going to morph that into something that will actually work. Great. Mm -hmm. my, my job is to give ideas and then they take it. But I get a lot of my ideas from other people. That's okay. Yeah, as long as, long as it gets gets you paid. <laughs> yeah. And, and if it's a great idea, I'll give credit where credit's due. But a lot of times, oh, I hadn't thought about doing that. Let me think about that. Oh. And where do you think you're going? We've gone through, we're going through a lot of geopolitical things. We're in the middle of a culture war, as they say. A lot of disruptive technology has been emerging. Where do you see, where do you see this going? How do you see the future? Yeah. Um, if, I, if I had my little crystal ball, it, it it really comes back to where it started years and years ago. It's relationships and being real. Mm. It, it's no matter what the technology is, it all comes back to connections, especially for small business owners. Mm. We're fighting the battle. And if technology comes out, everybody has it, right? What's going to separate you? It's not that I can be on TikTok and you can't. We can all be there. <laughs> but my story is going to separate me. I always come back to the basics. It's relationships. Do you like me? Do you trust me? Let's have a conversation and let me put your needs ahead of my needs. Mm, Let's yep. do that. That's never going to change. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. 
I think there's an unspoken thing there. We need to also make sure for the new business owners, you have to make sure that you're good at what you do. hundred percent. That, that can burn bridges. I know it's, it goes without being said, but a lot of people, I think it's worth 20, 30% of your attention to constantly look at what you do and figure out how can I make it better? Because depending on what you do for a lot of us, we might be competing with anybody on the planet with a laptop right. and an internet connection. And so you don't know what could be coming down the pipeline. And in the, they say markets are unknown and unknowable. Meaning if I ask you how many people are going to, we're shopping for a car right now, you'd maybe be able to tell me like Google search, keyword searches, some leading right. indicators, but ultimately it's unknowable and it right. will always be unknown and it's constantly changing, but everybody can recognize excellence. So if you knew the problem you solved, you're not making a car for everybody. If you're making a car for a specific type of person, for a specific purpose, just so we don't have shoes, we've got hiking shoes, running shoes, walking shoes, CrossFit shoes, marathon yep. shoes. You make a specific product or service to solve a specific type of problem for a specific person, but you focus on excellence. Everybody can acknowledge and recognize excellence. And that yep. speaks for itself in a lot of ways. So I think that all this stuff that we talk about has to go on while you simultaneously never stop trying to take advantage of technology, resources, developments, learnings, new ideas from other industries, other people, oh. to make what you do more and more excellent. And then it's absolutely and say it's all built on the back of good relationships where you actually really care and take care of people. hundred percent. Yeah. People over profits. When that customer comes in and it's going to cost you to, to make it right. Because yeah. that will come back to you in a hundredfold. But when you screw the customer to make a few dollars, you earn a few dollars and a really bad reputation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Michael, this has been so good. I do want to be respectful of your time. I've got a couple pages of notes. People may want to listen to this more than once to make sure they got all the goods. Is there anything I haven't asked you yet that I should have asked you? Oh, now that's a great question. Why should you never write a book? You didn't ask me that. Oh. And I tell people, I'm a book publisher, right? And I tell people all the time, you, why you should never write a book is because you should speak to write it. Going back to the very beginning, <laughs> Writing a book on your typewriter, on your computer is the worst thing you could ever do. Speak it. Get your words out of your head onto print. Let somebody edit it. Get your book done. It'll change your life. And if people want to learn more, where do they go? Paperbackexpert.com. It's our website. It's the hub of all things Michael. Paperbackexpert.com. So go check out paperbackexpert.com. Connect with Michael if you have questions. Michael, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us, knowing you've got your own family, your own following, your own show, your own list to nurture. I really appreciate you coming and sharing with me and mine so we can all do a little bit better. Daryl, it's been a blast, man. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor.